0: So, how is everybody doing today? Doing all right? It's a good day to soak in the presence of God, isn't it? I think we should honor our worship team. They've led us well this morning. Can we honor them? Thank you. Joel and others. Wow, love to be together here in the presence of Jesus. There's nothing like that. And we want to get into his word now, so I want you to turn in your Bibles to some passages. I'll mention them in advance here, if you can write them down quickly. Romans 12, verse 3. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Another Proverbs uh, chapter 16, verse 12. Then back to the New Testament, 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. And if we get to it, we'll jump into Romans chapter 8 later on. I also need to let you know that this has been one of those weeks when God was doing some other stuff too. Someone has gone to heaven recently, and that person is Peter Dreger. Peter passed away on Friday at age 94, and he's walked with God for so many years. And uh, if you know the Dreger family, you know that they're very key people in our whole tribe, our whole alliance community. Uh, churches across Western Canada have been blessed by the Dreger family. And uh, Peter was the father of one of our district superintendents, uh, Ken Dredger, who was my DS for 12 years. And he's also the father of Earl and Laura Dreger and their family, who are members here in our church, and Brian and Don Wall, who are also uh, part of our church family. And I want to encourage you to be praying for them. It's a big moment, especially for Peter's wife, Helen. Uh, Be praying for her. Uh, She has walked with her husband for almost 72 years as a married couple. That's incredible and amazing. And so there's going to be a service for Peter coming up this Wednesday at 1 p.m. here in this church building. And there'll be a viewing at 12 noon if you're, if you're wanting to come. And uh, we just welcome you to, to be part of that if you, if you feel you should. So this last you know week or so, Billy Graham goes to heaven at age 99 and Peter Dreger at age 94. And we celebrate uh, these great journeys of faith that these men have been on. Well, we're in our series and it's all about relationships and how we can become the people, the community that we're supposed to become and This series is all about what it will take for us to deepen and build vibrant relationships in the body of Christ right here. And today we're looking at this whole matter of facing blind spots that keep us from engaging in biblical community. You know what blind spots are, right? They're what people know about you, but you don't know about yourself. And we all have some, and so we want to look at that today. Um, And unless we recognize our blind spots, we're never going to be able to fully enter into the depth and wonder of biblical community the way God designed it. So to prevent blind spots, we're going to go to the scriptures today. We're going to unpack something that I call um, self-awareness. Can you remember that? That's really what this talk is about today. It's about self-awareness. It's the cure for relational blind spots. And believe it or not, the Bible has a lot to say about self-awareness. So many stories, so many accounts of people who walked with God, um, who either made good choices or bad choices in the area of self-awareness. We've got a lot to draw on. And I'm just going to read a few of the verses here at the start that I mentioned earlier. Let's start with Romans chapter 12 at verse 3. The words will be up on the screen also. Here's what it says. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So it's saying don't think of yourself you know, too low or too high. Think of yourself with sober judgment so you can have some self-awareness that's appropriate for you. Let's go back in the Old Testament to Proverbs chapter 4. I think a lot of you know this verse. Verse 23: Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. You believe that? Got to guard our hearts, because the issues of life will flow out of our innermost being. And then over to Proverbs chapter 16 at verse 2. It says: All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. In other words, The Lord is looking below every comment we make, every attitude we have, uh, every affection that we uh, have in our heart. He looks below the surface to see the motive. It's an important part of self-awareness. Okay, so good stuff, right? Good stuff? Yes? Thumbs up? Good stuff. Self-awareness is what we need to prevent blind spots in our lives so that we can grow in authentic community. And self-awareness simply means paying attention to yourself, Not in a morbid way, you know, not in kind of a self uh, motive way in which we just want to look at our own lives and no one else. No, we're looking at our lives so that we can be our best. And how many of you know people who maybe lack a little bit in self-awareness? You got any people in your life that you go, oh boy, they really need help with self-awareness? Dr. Rob Reamer, who's a friend of this house and author of Soul Care, says this. By the way, he's going to be here in June. Anybody excited about that? Yeah. Rob Reamer's coming here. He'll be with us for Soul Care Conference, and he's speaking, I believe it's June 10th, and we're looking forward to that. This is what Rob says Self awareness is the gateway to freedom. It doesn't get you all the way, but you can't get there without it. Have you ever been in a moment with God when He's showing you parts of your life that you knew that maybe needed His touch and His help? Those are moments when you're paying attention to the issue of self-awareness. So let's talk about blind spots for a moment that might appear in the lives of people who are even believers. I'm just going to give you some random ones here. For instance, there's the person who talks too much. You know, when you're hanging out with them, they're like talking, 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 talking. It's always just about them, right? They just talk, 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 talk. You're in a room with other people, and everybody else is waiting to talk, but they can't talk because that person is doing all the talking. That's a blind spot. Elbow the person beside you if it fits them, just gently. (laughs) And then there's the person on the opposite side of the scale. They don't talk enough. They're really quiet You're out for dinner and everybody's talking and kind of entering into this conversation and there's this one person over here They're just like, like, are you okay? Yep. (laughs) What do you think about life? It's good? (laughs) That person is just, you know, maybe feeling a little awkward. Uh, They're like, don't look at me. I don't want to say much. They're like, well, why'd you come out? You know, we want to hear from you. And then there's the person who doesn't listen to others well. You're in conversation with them, and, and they're looking at you, and all of a sudden their eyes are like, oh, and they get out their phone, and they're like texting, just a minute, just a minute, text, what, yeah, what, what, what? And they're really distracted, right, while they're talking to you. Does that bother anybody but me? You guys too? Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? And that might be an issue of a blind spot. And um, then there's the person who has all those many surface-level relationships but no one really gets to know them in a deep way. They're liked a lot, but not loved a lot. And then there's the practical stuff of self-awareness that needs to be mentioned. Not because it's in the realm of sin. So turn to the person beside you and tell them what he's going to talk about is not in the realm of sin. Okay, go ahead. Not sin. Not sin. Not sin. In the realm of wisdom, but not sin. Okay, for instance... You may be lacking in self-awareness if you're always, always, always late. Morning, noon, or or night. Doesn't matter what the event is. You're always late. People like expect you to be late. And that's maybe going to affect how people view you. It's not in the issue of sin necessarily unless you call it sin. Then it is. But it may affect your relationships. Or how about this one? You're always, always, always religiously early for an event, and you're filled with anxiety if you're not there 15 minutes before it starts. You get in the building at two minutes to, you're like, "Oh, I feel really bad. God, forgive me. He's, he's, he's okay. It's all right." Or how about this? Not in the area of sin. You have messy hair or bad breath. That's a problem. In relationships, it can affect the way people see you. And if you're the kind of person who says, I don't care, you're not going to have a lot of people saying, come on out and let's go do some, something together. Or how about this? You wear really bizarre clothing or not enough clothing. <laughs> it's an issue of self-awareness. Don't you want to see all my body parts? I thought you did, you know? <laughs> not all of them. You know what I mean. So unless you're called to a lifestyle like John the Baptist, I would suggest to you that you would not want to put on your camel's hair tunic and invite your friends over for fried grasshoppers on Friday night. Just saying. That might affect relationships. Okay? And if you have that calling, well, go for it. (laughs) Just mentioning that. And yes, of course, there are moments when we should... Not feel at all bound by the uh, by the things of self-awareness, and we should just give ourselves in in a moment when it's special. Well, let me give you an example of that. Jesus is coming into Jericho one day, and there's a tax collector there. His name is Zacchaeus. You know the song. <laughs> so Zacchaeus, you know, runs ahead of the of the whole group of people coming, and uh, he goes up in a sycamore tree. He did two things wrong, two weird things. He ran in public, which you know, mature men weren't supposed to do. And then he sits up in a sycamore tree. Can you picture him with his legs dangling? Jesus comes by and says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. I must be at your house today. And it's a great encounter with Jesus. But Zacchaeus didn't care. So, you know, there are moments when you set aside self-awareness for the passion of God, right, for the thing that God is doing in your life. You're like, I don't want to miss out on this. Don't miss out on it. Don't be afraid to get a little bit excited when God is speaking to you. Don't be afraid to to show some emotion for the sake of Jesus. You know, there's some people that think, oh, I'm not allowed to show emotion in worship. Well, I I feel for you because the Psalms say otherwise, right? The Psalms tell us, you know, that every single human emotion is there expressed to God in worship. Well, I don't want my my emotions to lead me. I want faith to lead me. That's fine. I wouldn't say you should be led by your emotions either, but you got to let them loose sometimes, you know, for the honor and glory of God. You're a person, right? You're a human being made in the image of God, and you are body, soul, spirit. And so when we, when we get to that point of saying, Lord, I don't care. I'm going to lift up my hands. I'm going to lift up my voice. I'm going to shout to you. I'm just going to praise you. We are stepping into the territory of great, authentic worship when our hearts are focused on Jesus. Some people shy away from that. and That might be an issue of self-awareness. How about this? You're with people and, you know, the the kind of people who are prone to judgment. They're the kind of people that when you're with them, they're always telling you about all the things that are going wrong in the kingdom of God and all the churches that are doing bad things and all the pastors that are saying bad things and all the movements that are doing bad things. And they've got their research from the Internet, right? And, And so they're just always harping on that. You know, they feel it's their mission in life to expose all the wrong things going on under the sun. That's a really big blind spot. And I think it happens to people particularly who have a religious spirit resting upon them. And a religious spirit is is simply this. It's a demonic spirit that hangs out with people who look to religion to guide them and save them. And that means that if you're a person who's attracting that kind of spirit, it means you're all focused on human-made rules and and you keep score and you've got sort of a human-centered faith, not a God-centered faith. You have a form of godliness, but you deny its power. Jesus had to deal with such people back in his ministry days on earth. They were called the Pharisees. And uh, I'd like to think of this. If the Pharisees had access to the Internet... Oh, my goodness. I can imagine them getting together. You know, they're saying, hey, did you read my blog about Jesus and the Gadarene demoniac? I mean, who says you can speak to demons nowadays? Jesus is speaking to demons. Come on. <laughs> Jesus did speak to demons directly. It's in the Bible. You know, I don't like that. I don't think you should speak to demons. We'll deal with it. Okay, the scripture said Jesus cast demons out of people. He sometimes named them. He bound them, and he kicked them out. Well, what about all those pigs, all those pigs that jumped off the cliff? Come on. All those pigs that died, it ruined the whole economy. Well, you know, deal with it. It happened. And oh my goodness, then, you know know what else Jesus did? He let that woman come with her alabaster jar, and she broke it, and she poured the ointment on Jesus' feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair. Isn't that gross? It happened. It was worship. It was expensive worship for that woman. It was costly worship for her. Yeah, but I don't like that. You know, that that stuff could have been sold. We couldn't give money to the Red Cross or Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. That's a religious spirit. If you hang out with people like that, don't let that stuff affect you. It's toxic. It's negative. It's not kingdom. God has not called us to live a lifestyle of condemning others. And then there's also people who gloss over Moral issues as if they don't matter. That's a blind spot. It might happen this way: one of your friends that you know you're close with, you find out they got drunk on the weekend, or they got stoned on pot. Can I just clarify that for a sec? It's bad to get stoned on pot. It's bad for your mind. It's bad for your your reputation. It's bad for the people around you. But you might have heard of someone who, who did that. They, you know, they got carried away and and you heard about it, and they're a close friend, and you do nothing about it. You say, well, I don't want to judge them. You don't have to judge them, but you do need to love them, and sometimes love means I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to, I'm going to phone you and say, hey, what's up? This is not you. How come you crossed that line? Um, don't you know that, that stuff's harmful for you? Don't you know what the Bible says about drunkenness? Come on, that's not you. I know that's not you. Can we go to God about this? Can you Can you admit that You know, you need to kind of deal with this. That's love. And if we just sort of dismiss these things as we hear them, we've got blind spots. It means we're not being iron that sharpens iron in our relationships. So to avoid all that stuff, uh, we really need to engage in self-awareness so that we can root out these blind spots before they get big. All right, so here's something helpful I'm going to share with you. I got this from Nick Kadoon on the teaching team. It's excellent. It's the four quadrants for understanding the need for self-awareness. Let's look at them real quick here. Quadrant number one is about this. What I know about myself and what others know about me. That's kind of basic foundational social awareness and self-awareness. Quadrant number two, it's what I know about myself And what others do not know about me. So another level there that it goes to. And then quadrant three, what I do not know about myself and what others know about me. That's what we're going to focus on today. Quadrant four is what I do not know about myself and what others do not know about me. And that's the ultimate version. That's worth a lot of work. But we're only going to look at quadrant three today because we're talking about relationships. All right, so here's the key question. Are you ready for it? Yes? Okay, here's the question What might there be in my life that I don't know about that others already know about me that I should know? Because mm. that really affects how I can enter into relationships. What might there be in my life that others know about me but I don't know about myself? I want that information, don't you? Maybe you've heard of the old medieval story. It's called The Emperor's New Clothes. In this story, the emperor is the vain man, and he always wants the newest fashions. So one day, a couple of swindlers convince him that the clothes that they're making are of such fine quality that only the most elevated people can see them. He can't admit he's not the most elevated person, so he buys the clothes, and he puts them on and wears them. In the palace, and everyone bows down to the emperor and says what fine clothes he is wearing because they're not strong enough to contradict the emperor. Then the emperor goes out and leads a parade to show off his new clothes to the people, and everybody pretends to honor him for his looks except one little boy who yells out from the crowd, But the emperor has no clothes, he's buff naked. It's a fable. It's a story. Here's the point. Someone has to tell the emperor that he's got no clothes on because he's lacking in self-awareness there. He's just making a fool of himself, right? Someone needs to let you know or me know of the things we're not aware of that will discredit us. It's true. People notice things about us that we might not notice. I I value people speaking to my life. I want them to. I ask for input. I ask for feedback all the time, every single week of my life. And when people give it, it's good. It's not judgment. It's love. They're saying, well, you know, that one thing you said could have been said differently. And I said, tell me that. Tell me about that. And they'll explain what well, you're right. I could have worked that through a little bit differently. Or, or they'll say something else that's very valuable to me. Have you got any self-awareness challenges in your life? Got any blemishes, any blind spots that you're like, hmm, I'm starting to be aware of them? What if one of those blind spots was this? You're defensive when you're dealing with conflict. You quickly defend yourself. You quickly get into a position of powering up and saying, nope, that's not the way it's going to be. And you kind of take over with kind of a power control move. Or what about this blind spot, compulsiveness, that maybe you feel you have to succeed at any cost, and you're like, we're going to do this no matter what. Really? No matter what? No matter what? Wow, that could affect a lot of people just because of the direction you're going. I have a friend, I've uh, known him for a long, long time, and he's, he struggles with this, and I think he's actually you know, uh, got a compulsive disorder in his life, among other things, and I've journeyed with him off and on, and I remember at one point, it's just like, okay, I'm going over here, and I'm going to do this, and this is going to happen, and this is the job I'm getting, this is, this is what it's going to look like, this is what we're going to do, and, blah, 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 blah. and just kind of rolls this whole thing out, and you're like, okay, and off he goes, and he does it, a week later, it's over, no, that didn't work, and he's over here, this is what we're going to do now, we're going to jump into this direction, we're going to have these experiences, this is what's going to happen, this is the job I'm going to get, and so on, and he goes like that his whole life. He's burned through a lot of jobs, burned through a lot of relationships, burned through a lot of churches. And it's unfortunate because there's a, there's a need for healing in his life. And people around him have loved on him in spite of all this, and he needs help. Sometimes I think that we, we think that we're helping people and we, and we withhold truth from them. And they actually need to hear our voice, right? They need to hear you. You need to say to your friend at the right time, you know what? i got a suggestion for you. Maybe you should think of this. Also, we should pay attention to our self-talk. What are those things that you say out loud in the bathroom? Okay, driving down the the highway in in the car. What are those things that you say out loud? If this person doesn't get this done, they're fired. Well, maybe, and maybe that needs to happen, but do you care about them? Or, you know, unless my spouse does this, I'm giving him or her like seven days, and after that, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lay it down, right? Just going to lay it down on the, on the table and say, that's it, okay? You're going to drop a bombshell on them like that? Or are you going to have a conversation with them in which you can actually establish communication and work on some things? Are there any lies that you've believed about yourself that end up in producing in you something that's distorted about your own identity here's another blind spot you cannot accept affirmation or words of praise people give it to you you're like oh no wasn't me it was the lord it wasn't that good just relax (laughs) it was the lord through you he had a choice to make you know he didn't have to create us but he, he decided to make us so That's a good thing. Let's not ask him to undo that. He's working through us. So when someone gives you a compliment, when when you've done something well, you've organized something well, uh, or you've, you've, you've ran an event well, or you've finished a project well, or you've sang a song well, just say, thank you for the encouragement. And you know that it's Jesus who's producing that through you, and without him you can do nothing, but through him you can do all things. There's a legitimate place for receiving affirmation. You know, I, I couldn't accept this in, in my life for many years, probably for about seven years as a believer. I would not allow any affirmation to land in my life. People would give it to me, and I'd go, no, no, sorry, no, 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 no. You know what happened? I was missing out on my Heavenly Father's affirmation coming through, through people. Finally, someone rebuked me over it and said, you have a false view of affirmation. It is legitimate for you to be encouraged. We're to encourage each other, and I can't encourage you if you don't receive legitimate affirmation, right? You don't have to get proud about it. You don't have to get arrogant. You just say, thank you. I guess God really does work through me at times. Wow. I'm so glad God fixed that in my soul. And The root of it was I wasn't getting, you know, in my my early years as, as a young guy, I didn't get in my relationship with my earthly dad, what I needed in formative years. And um, so I came to the conclusion, you know what? No one's with you. You got to make it all happen on your own. And even when I became a believer, though I didn't consciously believe that, I acted that way. It's all up to me. Now, there's a cure for these things as the people of God. uh, We can step into something called the light, Light exposes blind spots. 1 John 1.5 says this, God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. Rob Reamer says in his Soul Care book, God shines light into our souls. He reveals the truth about us. Our job is to stand in the light with God and admit the truth about us. Did you get that? Standing in the light with God, He shines His light upon us. And he shows us things about us, and we admit with God what's true about us. We go, Oh, I'm doing well here. I'm doing well there. I'm doing pretty good over here. I got something over here, though, that the Lord really needs to press into. You know what I'm talking about? It's real, isn't it? Truth sets people free, right? It sets people free. This should be a regular, regular occurrence in our lives. It's not just that the truth set you free when you became a follower of Jesus, but the truth continues to set you free every single day of your life as a believer, as you walk with God, as you walk in the light. Darkness is an enemy and an intruder to our souls. Jesus taught this, that the, the enemy of our souls comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's active. He's out there like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Don't kid yourself. If you give grounds to the enemy, if you give grounds to the demonic world, they will come swooping in and wreck your life. Steal, kill, and destroy is the mission statement of the devil. I'm so glad that Jesus came into the world to defeat the devil, aren't you? He defeated him. On the cross, death blow to the enemy. We're just in the cleanup era now in human history, but we go from victory to victory to victory because Jesus has overcome all things. We've got to be alert to these things. John Bradshaw said this, you're only as sick as the secrets you keep. Ooh, I don't know if that landed on on you at all or not. You're only as sick as the secrets you keep. What you hold on to in the shadows is what's going to keep you from walking in light And freedom. I'm only as sick as my secrets. Do you have any secrets? Well, don't say them right now if you do. (laughs) Do you have any secrets? Any secrets in your past that no one knows about? Secrets in your marriage right now that maybe your spouse doesn't even know? Secrets in your job or in your work or in your finances? Hiding things from others because you think if they found out, they'll kick you out of the community. Not if they're loving believers. They'll love you. They'll speak truth. You know, the whole motive here is love, right? We looked at that last week. Without love, it's game over. Love is the ultimate. But if we're carrying secrets, we're already living with a blind spot. And you can never bring your full self into the community of the kingdom of God if you're carrying around a secret because there's always a piece of you that you hold back and hide from others. And discerning people sense that. Just letting you know. And there's lots of them in this church. They know stuff. They know They sense stuff. They go, ah, something not quite right there. Jesus wants to set us free from anything in the area of condemnation, shame, and guilt. And so the dealing with secrets is part of the whole journey of discipleship. And... We say this in our church here. We encourage people to do something called a full-life confession. Three words. Can you say it with me? Full-life confession. What in the world is that? It's a full-life confession. How do you do that? Well, you find one or two really close friends, and if you're married, sometimes that's not your spouse. Probably better if it's not your spouse, and you trust them with everything, and you you get together with them and say, I want to do a full life confession. And then everything you share is in utmost confidence. It does not go out of that circle. And you share with them your whole story. It might take you an hour and a half, maybe, maybe take two hours. You share with them all the highlights of your life, the main points of your life, the main events of your life, and the great things that have happened, and then the other stuff, the hurts, the setbacks, the wounds, the failures, the failures the sins you confess it to them and they just hear you out and when you're done at the end they pronounce over you that you as you've turned from these things are forgiven you are released from the grip of these secrets they are now taken off you and removed off you and you are set free in Jesus name it's powerful it's powerful you say do people really do that uh huh i've done it in fact i have a friend uh, here in our church, I get together with him fairly regularly, and we, we, we now do updates on our confession. We're like, how's it going now? Because <laughs> we have prayed for each other and received each other's full-life confession, and so that bond is there, and we're like, I can trust you with any single thing going on in my life, and him the same. It's powerful. And I think that for some people, this is a little bit scary. I get that. You have to have that friend that you can trust, and so we'll talk about that here in a moment. But the Scriptures teach us about the power of confession in community. It's a powerful thing. That's why it says in James chapter 5, you know, in the healing passage, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you can be healed. Confession of sin and healing go together in the Scriptures. You know, sometimes when we're praying for healing in people's lives and it isn't happening, Not always, but sometimes it's because there is something to confess. There is something between them and the Lord that's deep, and He wants them to to kind of go there, and they're holding back, and so some of His power cannot flow through their lives. Can we just say this as a people? We will live with no secrets. Amen? No secrets. It's an awesome thing when you have crossed that line, and you know that there's nothing hidden in your life. Your conscience is so clear. Your heart is so at peace. So I've done the full life confession. I recommend it to you. It's something that we teach and train in soul care. But you've got to take risks. You've got to take risks in this area. Risks of faith. Someone might say, well, you know, I'd like to do a, a thing like that, but I, I'm too busy. I get that. So am I. I. I'm out of town too much. I travel too much. Listen, this is very important stuff for your soul. Find a way. You may have to wait a while. You may have to wait three months to get it set up. Aim in that direction. Start taking some steps towards it. We have a couple of guys in our church who weekly FaceTime each other to stay in relationship as brothers in the kingdom of God. One lives over in Germany and one lives here in Airdrie. It's face-to-face, real stuff, just so they can walk in, in a level of relationship and encourage each other. And, you know, the vision that God is giving us for community is really, really awesome. We're just sensing that God is putting together freshness in this whole part of the church. And I encourage you, you know, consider coming to our community launch party to find out about all the ways that you can get connected. We've got like six, seven ways that you can be fully connected and feel belonging in this church. There's all kinds of ways. God is doing fresh new things here in the life of this church, and we want you to be part of it we got to put effort into that, right? I want to give you a profound verse. didn't mention it earlier. Proverbs 18.24. Just hear me out on it. This is what it says. If a man wants friends, he must show himself friendly. It's deep. It's really deep. Let me say it again. If a man wants friends... He must show himself friendly. Works for women too. If a woman wants friends, if a woman in the church wants friends, she must show herself friendly. Are you guys getting this? It's big, isn't it? Okay, so if I I am lacking in friends, if I'm lacking in community, I have a part to play in that? Yeah, that's the whole point. I've got to show myself friendly. Now, some of you might need to ask God for new friends. You might. You might need some new friends. Are you saying you're supposed to just completely ditch your old friends? No, I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm not necessarily saying that you burn all your bridges with all your current friends. You've got to be wise about that. You've got to be strategic about that. Well, how can I have new friends if I've got old friends? Well, number one, you might not need new friends, so just enjoy the friends you've got. Um, or if you do need new friends and you've got some existing friendships and you're sensing they're not really what they should be, this is what you can do. It's practical. This is, you know, we said this is going to be a fun series, so it's practical. There's different levels of friendship, right? There's level four where you hardly see a person but they're in your life, and you sort of say we're friends. Then there's level three and two, and then number one is these are really, really, really special people in your life. Level one friends are those people who pray for you, walk with you, speak truth to you, call out the gold in you, affirm you, encourage you, exhort you. They miss you when you're not around, and you have this unique relationship with them. It's so special, so powerful. That's level one friendship. Those are the people you want to give your best energy to. Yeah, but what about all those people at level four? What about them? Just say to them, how's it going? They say, yeah, we don't even get together with you much anymore. Say, yeah, I know, I'm busy. Just tell them you're busy. It works in our culture. Just tell them you're busy. Yeah, but when can we get together again? I don't know. Let's pray about it. You know, it's easy to pray about those, right? Lord, when? Unless you tell me when, I'm not gonna hang out with them. Here's the point: not everybody in your world is gonna be in your inner circle. You gotta choose your inner circle. You wanna choose people who will speak life into you, right? Life into you. It's gonna cost you time, it's gonna cost you energy, availability, probably cost you money because you're gonna end up eating together and stuff, right? And you do it. Yeah, but what about all my friends at level four? Put them in God's hands. God has other humans on the planet he can attach them to. It's okay. Don't be disrespectful to them. Don't dishonor them. Don't tell them they're level four people. I had to say that. Oh, by the way, you know, you're a level four. Thank you. You just wounded me. Okay. Yeah, sure. No. Oh, my goodness. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 3. I want you to see this amazing passage here. I think we can get it in under the wire. 1 John chapter 3 at verse 18. I love this passage. In fact, the whole book of 1 John is just monumental in its call for community, its call for relationships based on love. This is what it says. 1 John 3:18. Dear children, by the way, he's not talking to the kids, he's talking to The children of God, the saints. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. All right? So let's sit up and take notice of that. It's a big one. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask. Because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. And this is His command, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in Him and He in them. And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. All right. It's profound what John is saying here. By the way, this is written by the guy who went around saying to everyone else, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. I'm John. And there's Peter and James there and other apostles, but John said about himself in his own book, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. He leaned on Jesus at the communion table, right? At the communion moment. Some kind of special relationship between John and Jesus. One person put it to me, maybe John just knew how to draw the love in and let it land. Maybe Jesus loved everybody the same way, but John really dove into it. I don't know. But he had this view of himself that I am loved by Jesus himself. He likes me. When a person has landed there, they're the kind of person who can say, you know, the only people who have a problem with me are those who just can't discern who I am. (laughs) I'm loved by God. Yeah, i got issues, i got challenges, I'm a work in progress, but I'm loved by God. So self-awareness, what is John saying to us here? You know you're a person of God if, first of all, you love people in tangible ways. He said you love with actions and in truth. Real love pushes cars out of the snowbank. Real love says... Can we babysit for you so you guys can get out and have a night? You need that. Real love says, I am praying for you. I'm praying for you. And they mean it. By the way, I have people in this church. Again, there's many people who discern a lot in our church. And my life's an open book. And I'll get a text from some of these people. They're like, are you going through this this week? Because I'm praying for you. I'm like, yep. How'd you know that? Oh, the Lord told me. Isn't that great? Isn't that great that God by His Spirit just prompts things to happen where we are are receiving intercessory prayer because people are prompted to pray for us? Wow, that's just like amazing to me. So we know we're the people of God when we love people in tangible ways, when we really pray for them. And then also we know we're the people of God when our hearts do not condemn us. Condemnation is, is a community killer. You know those movies when they're they're having this big scene that's usually like 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 a break into a building and all the alarm bells go off and the flashing lights and the sprinklers are going? That should be happening when anyone is facing condemnation. We should go, hold it, that's an alarm bell moment. You should not be under condemnation at all. Not as a believer. No condemnation, right? Romans 8, we made it there. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. No condemnation for the believer. None. Taken care of by Jesus who absorbed the wrath of God on our behalf. Yeah, but I feel like I'm a sinner saved by grace. Who told you that? Well, I heard it. You should read your Bible, particularly Romans 6 and 7. No wonder people avoid community. No wonder they live in the shadows. No wonder they would never get into a group. It's because some of them are like, I've got secrets. I've got shame. I don't know if I can trust anyone. I'm living under a cloud of guilt and heaviness. Well, let's get rid of that. Let's get rid of that. Jesus came to take that off of you so that you can be set free. You've got to see yourself the way he sees you. He does not want you walking a moment in condemnation, shame, or guilt. You just turn to him. If you need sins forgiven, he will forgive them. As you repent of them, they're dealt with. Talked about that last Sunday. The blood of Jesus Christ is applied through atonement to every person who comes to him. Grace, grace, grace. And then we need confidence before God. Confidence before God so that we can access his realm His authority, His anointing, His identity for us. We can lay hold of that confidence. Finally, you know you're a person of God because the Spirit reveals your true identity. This is what it says. This is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. Did you notice that last word? The Spirit He gave us. It's not just the Holy Spirit He gives me or the Holy Spirit that He gives to you. It's the Holy Spirit that He gives to us. The Holy Spirit is all about community. He's the great architect of community. He's the one who fashions and shapes the church and places the people in the body of Christ. They're baptized into His Spirit, the Bible says, and they're placed in the body by a grand design. And He's deeply at work in you when you say yes to Him. Rob Reamer said it so well. Self-awareness is the gateway to freedom. It doesn't get you all the way, but you can't get there without it. And we're going to pray here in a moment, so I just want to get you ready for that. And I want to remind you how Jesus modeled this for us. He modeled for us a powerful lifestyle. He walked in self-awareness in His Father's will. He saw the gold in other people, and He called it out of them. And He calls us to do the same, to walk in courage and in love and in faith. And here's the thing, though. God's best work in you will be done in community, not in private. His best work in you will happen in the context of His people gathered together. This is why it's such a big deal that we gather in His presence. So many amazing things happen when Jesus is working in the community of His people. And some of you might think, I like to do it all on my own. Well, you're just going to miss out on so much of what God wants to do through you. He wants to reveal himself to you through the faces of other brothers and sisters. So I invite you to stand. We're going to pray. We'll just take a moment to do this. put yourself into a posture of receptivity and surrender and saying yes to the Lord? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for courage for those who need it to take steps into further levels of community. I pray for healing for those who have been hurt and wounded in the past through family or through brothers and sisters in the church through other moments in life. God, I pray for healing inside of their hearts. I pray for those people, Lord, who need healing to receive it now. And I ask you, friend, just ask Jesus to heal you where you've been wounded. Receive his grace right now. Let it land on you. Father, I ask for those people who have not enough friends to get more friends. I pray that you would bring friends together here in this church in fresh new ways. I pray that old relationships will be restored and refreshed and I pray that new relationships would begin. I pray for faith for all of us to walk in the light with others, to hold no secrets in our lives, to step out of shame and guilt and condemnation once for all. I pray that over anyone who needs to do that. I pray for boldness, Lord, for those who need to be set free. Friend, I just sense that God is calling some of us to say yes to certain things. So if this lands in your heart, I want you to make agreement with me today that God is speaking to you. God is saying to some of you, He wants you to say yes to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life in a new way. Just receive that right now. Make agreement with me. Say yes, Lord. I welcome the Holy Spirit to do a work in me. For some of you, God's calling you to say yes to not going it alone. It's not good enough. The Father has more for you. Say yes to new relationships. For some of you, it's thinking rightly about yourself, not wrongly. You need to say yes to a proper view of who you are based on your identity in Jesus. For some of you, it's saying yes to freedom. To be able to love people well without an agenda. To say no to blind spots. To say, Lord, weave me together. Weave me together in this church, in this body for the sake of the name of the one who brought us together. God, I pray you do a powerful work in our lives and we We believe you are, and we believe you will. And together, everyone says amen. Let it be so. God bless you guys. Come on up here, ministry teams at the front if you need prayer. Don't go home without it. See you in seven days.